we live in a fallen world, there's no doubt, and the world seems to get worse, doesn't it? I mean, it's, we've got, uh, uh, and, and there have been really tough times. There's fear and division and great uncertainty. How are we going to make it? Well, we've got to trust God. And, and we trust our God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. He is our strength and our shield. He is our provider and protector. Uh, we go into this world, and in this fallen world, there are, as we talked about last week, there are false gods, there is, there is cults and occult, and there's the demonic aspect of it. And the truth is this, anytime somebody worships anything other than the true God, they're worshiping demonic aspects. That's what it really is. Well, this morning, we're going to see the power and protection of God in the life of Elijah, because the king sends some soldiers to get Elijah, and we see what happens as we go through it. Let me break down the passage for you. We're going to see Elijah is protected by God, and we see the messenger reports to the king, because first it begins with the messenger going back to the king and telling him what Elijah said, then Elijah is protected from the soldiers, and then we see Ahaziah's judgment, and we'll see how it fits. So let's remember what happened last time. Last time, it starts off by saying that here is Ahab's son, and Ahab's son fell through the upper chamber. I must have been walking somewhere and wasn't watching where he's going, and he fell through some lattice, and he got hurt really badly. And while he was hurt, he said, I don't know if I'm going to get well or not. So he sent some of his messengers to go to the god in Ekron, which is a Philistine god, Philistine town. And the god was Beelzebub, one of the gods of the Philistines. The Philistines had more than one god. They had Dagon. They had uh, Beelzebub. They had different gods in their different cities. And so they sent to Ekron to, to the, go inquire of Beelzebub, will he recover? Now think of how stupid that is. You're the king of Israel which is the one true God, is now divided into Israel and Judah. We know that. But you're the king of Israel. You're supposed to worship the true God, but none of them have worshipped the true God for a long time in the north. I mean, Ahab didn't, and now Ahaziah doesn't. And so he sends some messengers to go see a false God, probably some kind of representative of a false God, and find out whether he's going to get well or not. Well, Note, if you notice verse 3 of chapter 1, it says, But the angel of the Lord said to Elijah the Tishbite, Arise, go up, meet the messengers of the king of Samaria, and say to them, What do you say to those messengers? Is it because there's no God in Israel that you're going to inquire bills above the God of Ekron? He basically stops them and says, You mean there's no true God? Because you've rejected the true God, so you're going to a false God? And then he says, Now therefore, thus says the Lord, you shall not come down from the bed where you have gone up, but you shall surely die. And then Elijah departed. Now, can you imagine? You're these messengers. You're on the way to Ekron to talk to, find somebody to tell you what Beelzebub says, and you're met by this guy, and you look at him, and you go, who is this guy? And he says, by the way, God says, is there no true God in Israel that you've got to go to a false God? You can tell the king he will never get well because he's actually inquiring of a false god, he'll never get well. And he turns around and leaves. And those guys go, we better go back and tell the king. I mean, I think that's what they thought they would do. So what happens? Look at verse 5. When the messengers returned to him, he said to them, why have you returned? Now, he said, why have you returned? Because they know that they didn't have time to go to the southern part, to Ekron, to the, the land of the Philistines, it would have been a 40 or 50 mile trip. It would have been that long. They didn't have enough time to go and come back. So he says, what, what did you go? What, what, why did you stop? Why did you come back? And they said, look at verse 6. And they said to him, a man came up to meet us and said to us, 
Go, return to the king who sent you, and say to him, Thus says the Lord. Now, I've always notice something. Whenever you're reading the Bible and it has the Lord, always notice, is it all four capitals, like L-O-R-D? In my Bible, all, it's L-O-R-D, all capitals, which means Y-H-W-H in Hebrew, which means the personal name of God. Sometimes it's a capital L and little O-R-D, and that's the Hebrew word Adonai. That's a little bit different. This is Yahweh. This is the personal name of God. And he says, thus says the Lord, the personal God. Is it because there is no God in Israel that you're sending to inquire of Beelzebub? And remember we talked last time, Beelzebub means Lord of the flies. Baal is, is, uh, is, means master or Lord, and Zebub has the idea of flies or insects. And so he's called Lord of the flies. Now that's, that's, that's what you want your God to be named, right? Lord of the flies. And so anyway, uh, therefore, he says, therefore you shall not come down from the bed where you have surely gone, have gone up, and you shall surely die. He said, well, we were going, and this man showed up and said, is there no true God? And, and, and so why in the world is there no God that we would go to Beelzebub? And he says, you won't get well. And the truth is, think about it. So there's no real God that you go to a false God? Listen, I know people, I've known people. Who, who do things like that. They'll, they'll go to palm readers. When we go down to the Gulf Coast, when, when you get, I don't know why it is, but when you get on that road going from Highway 10 to go to, to Gulf Shores, they're all kind of like, I bet there's 10 palm readers. As you're riding down, it'll say palm reader, palm, you know, and you see all this, and you say, why would a person go to that? If you believe that there is the true God, and if you have any, you know, believe about Jesus Christ, why would you go to something like that, like a seance or, or a Ouija board? I've seen people say, uh, it's nothing wrong with a Ouija board. Yes, it is. It's an open door to demonic influence. Stay away from anything like that. The Bible warns them. The Bible warned the people in the Old Testament. Don't have anything to do with witches, witchcraft, potions, anything. Just stay away from all that because that opens you up to demonic influence. Well, he's basically saying well, you, you've opened yourself up to, to demonic influence. And so he says, he says the, they said that man said uh, to come back and tell you that. And think about Isaiah saying, how could this man know? How could this man know what I was thinking? How could he know I even sent messengers to Ekron? I mean, how would he know that? He didn't tell, he didn't tell this man. So these guys are just going to Ekron, and suddenly a man appears and says, is there no God except some false God? Well, you won't get well. Well, how did he know he was sick? How did he know he wouldn't get well? How did he know he was in sending messengers? If you're Isaiah, you're probably going, who is this man? And so he said to them, verse 7, he said to them, what kind of man was he? who came up to meet you and spoke these words to you. He said, what kind of man was he? And so they're going to describe him. Now, I want you to watch how he is described. They answered him. He was a hairy man with a leather girdle about his loins. And he said, oh, no, it's Elijah the Tishbite. He knows who Elijah is. Elijah's famous. What did Elijah do with his daddy? <laughs> Elijah said, they're going to lick up your blood. Elijah says it's not going to rain for three, three, you know, three and a half years. Elijah outran the chariot. Elijah called down the fire on the prophets of Baal. I mean, uh, Elijah. And so he said, who was this man? He said, well, he's real hairy. And he had this leather thing and wrapped around. And remember Elijah, you know, he, he was, best we could tell, he was like John the Baptist. And he was a, a Nazarite. He didn't cut his hair. So there he is. That, that's why when John the Baptist came, what did people say? Are you... 
Elijah, they thought he was Elijah because John the Baptist and Elijah looked alike because they never cut their hair and they, they looked that way. And I guarantee you if Samson was there, they'd say the same thing because Samson looked that way as well. So he answered and said, well, he was this hairy man with leather girdle about his loins. And he said, oh, no, it's Elijah the Tishbite. That's who it is. What kind of man is it? Well, he's got long hair and he's wearing this hairy type garment. That's what, one of the aspects of what it says. And so he's saying he was just, he got this, he's just a real hairy guy. It just looked, he looked wild. And he went, yeah, I know who it is. I know who it is. It's Elijah. He said, I thought we were through with that guy. I thought we were through with that guy. I thought after his last prophecy about my father dying and my father died, and if you, of course, you remember now, after Ahab dies, Ahaziah becomes the king. And so he was old enough to be the king. He's a man. He's not a boy. So he, he knew his daddy died. He knew the prophecies. He probably knew about the prophecies of Elijah. It's a wonder that when they came back and said, a man stopped us, he probably, probably could have said, was he a real hairy guy? You know, because he knows Elijah is out there. And they say, well, he's you know, a real hairy guy. And he said, oh, no, it's Elijah. It's Elijah. Well, let me ask you a question. If you were a Haziah and you wanted to find out if you'd get well, why wouldn't you go to Elijah, who is a prophet of God? Why, would, why didn't Haziah go to Elijah? Because like his dad, he didn't want to know the truth. You remember the last time that uh, Ahab, before he went to the battle, wanted to know whether they should go to battle, so he brought in four of his own, 400 of his own prophets, and they all said, go to battle, go to battle, go to battle, and they brought the Micaiah guy in, and he said, well, I don't really want to hear this guy because he always tells me something bad, and Micaiah said, you'll be killed in the battle, and so he said, see, I told you, he always says bad stuff. Well, so he's just like his father. He doesn't want to hear the truth. He doesn't want to know. The truth is, he's not going to get well. And he probably felt like he probably wasn't going to get well, but he thought maybe he could go to some false god, and the false god would tell him he's going to get well, and then maybe he would get well. But now he realizes he's not. So what's he going to do? What would you do? Well, if you're a Isaiah, you say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get that guy. I'm going to get that guy. I'm going to send soldiers, and we're going to get him. And so his plan is to arrest and kill Elijah. Now, has anybody tried that before? It hadn't worked very well, right? I mean, let me ask you this question. Could anybody ever kill Elijah? No, because you know what? He's not even going to die. A chariot's going to come take him off face of the earth. He's never even going to die physically. So, so let's see what happens. They're going to arrest him. That's the plan. And so look what they do. So verse 9. So then the king sent to him a captain of 50 with his 50. And he went up to him. So they, they find where Elijah is. Elijah's on a hill. And so he's at the top of a hill. And they see him. And so they say, send 50 soldiers, you and your 50 soldiers, and I want you to go up there, and I want you to arrest him and bring him back here. So they go, and they find him, and they say he's at the top of a hill. And so they go, and it says, the king sent to him a captain of 50, and he went up to him. And behold, he's sitting on top of a hill. And he said to him, here's the captain. Old man of God, the king says, come down. Now, the, the best we can tell, you can't tell necessarily just by the language, but obviously it wasn't with respect and honor. It wasn't like, oh, man of God, please come down. I think he's making fun. I think he's saying, oh, hey, man of God, guess what? King wants to see you. I got 50 guys right here that's going to make sure that he sees you. So come down, oh, man of God. I don't think there's any humility or respect there at all. And so look what Elijah says. Elijah replied to the captain of 50, If I am a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume you and the 50. 
<laughs> you want to be there? Do you want? You don't want to be there because we already saw he's brought fire down before, and he went on the you know. Then fire came down from heaven and consumed him in the fifty. It's like matches, burnt matches down. There's nothing left, you know. Think about it. Let fire come down, and the fire comes down and burns them all up. <laughs> so the word gets back to the king. Uh, those fifty guys got all burned up. He went, "What?" He said, "They got all burned up." If hey, you get your fifty and go, the next guy goes, "What, sir? Get your fifty and go." Are you sure? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Go. Get your 50 and go. And so look what it says. So he said to him, send another captain of 50 with his 50. And he said to him, O man of God, thus says the king, come down quickly. Now, this is a little bit funny. He's going to send another group down to arrest him. Now think, what if you're the next 50, in your mind you're saying, I'm not sure this is a great idea. No, I don't think it's a great idea. You know, you're going. And so you see him, so your captain goes up. What does he say to the king? Hey, make it snappy. You know, that's what he says. Come down quick. Hey, make it snappy. King wants to see you now. He said, Oh man of God, come down quickly, make it snappy. Elijah replied to them, If I am a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume you and the fifty. That is not good news for those people. And then the fire of God comes down from heaven and consumes them. Showing the power of God. Are they protecting Elijah? Anybody going to get him? No, they're not going to get him. So look, now, word comes back. We've lost 102 guys, right? 50 with a king, 50 with a leader, 50 with a leader. So we lost 102 men already, been burned up, just like a bunch of burned up stuff on the ground. And so the word comes back to... As I, uh, uh, that, uh, that they got burned up too. So he says, okay, who's next? Who's next in line? All the leaders are stepping back like this. I, I don't think I'm going to go. And he turns to a guy and says, you, you, take your 50 and go. So again, verse 13. Again, the captain of the third 50 with his 50. And when the third captain of the 50 went up, Notice he doesn't say, man of God, come down, snappy. He didn't say, oh, man of God, come down, king will see you. Look what he does. Again, he sent the captain the third 50, and when the third captain the 50 went up, he came, and what did he do? He bowed down on his knees before Elijah and begged him and said to him, oh, man of God, please spare my life and the lives of these 50 servants of yours, be precious. May these 50 servants of yours be precious in your sight. He didn't go up there with arrogance. He didn't come up there. He just came up there and he bowed down and said, I know you represent the true God. I know who you are. And I know you could kill us all right this second if you choose to. Spare my life. Let my life and the lives of these 50 servants of yours be precious in your sight. Behold, fire came down from heaven and consumed the first two captains of 50 with their 50s, but now let my life be precious in your sight. He says, I know what's happened, and I know what they did, and I'm not going to do that. I recognize who you are. You are the prophet of God. And so I come bowing down before you to spare our lives because all I know all you have to do is say, fire come down, and it'll be done. 
Then the angel of the Lord, now whoever that is, and we'll talk about it in a second, the angel of the Lord said to Elijah, go down with him, do not be afraid of him. So he rose and went down with him to the king. Now the angel of the Lord, and when you see the angel of the Lord, in the Old Testament there are two different places, two different ways, and you have to sort of look at it, and you, sometimes you can't tell. Sometimes the angel of the Lord is, is, is an angel that is representing God, and comes down and gives a message. Sometimes the angel of the Lord is the pre-incarnate Christ. When somebody came to Samson, it, it was like the angel, and then it disappeared, and then they said, oh no, we have seen the true God, and they had. So sometimes the angel of the Lord is God, Jesus, and sometimes the angel of the Lord is an angel, and you can't always tell. And so we don't really know on this one. We don't know. It doesn't say. Uh, sometimes in Hebrew you'll look, and it'll say, an angel of the Lord. And then sometimes I'll say, the angel of the Lord. And sometimes when it says, the angel of the Lord, you think, that's probably, that may be the pre-incarnate Christ. We don't know. It doesn't really give us enough information. But the angel of the Lord said to Elijah, go down with him. Do not be afraid of him. So he rose and went to the king. Don't be afraid. Uh, by the way, how do you approach the living God? Snappy? Hey, hey, I got a prayer request. Are you listening? <laughs> or do you say, oh, Lord... You are all powerful. You, you love me beyond what I could imagine. You said, come anytime, anyplace, anywhere. I'm coming to you now. And I'd like to ask you this. Right? That's how we approach God. We don't approach God. Uh, he says, come boldly to the throne of grace. But boldly doesn't mean you come like you're in charge. You're coming boldly that you know he's going to answer your prayer. You can come with confidence that he's going to hear you and answer your prayer. Well, look what happens. So... Um, verse 16. Then he said to him, he came to the king. Now he's, he's now met the king. Then he said to him, thus says the Lord. Notice capital L-O-R-D. This is the personal God. Because you have sent messengers to inquire of Beelzebub, the God of Ekron. Is it because there's no God in Israel to inquire of his word? Therefore, you shall not come down from the bed where you have gone up, but surely die. The message is directly, the angel said, go down and save him. The message directly to the king was, you're going to die. You're not going to get up. You've rejected the true God, and you've gone to a false God, and you won't get well. And, you know, the truth is this. Rejection of the true God always leads to death. I mean, think about that. Think about the, the, the truth is, whoever rex, rejects Jesus Christ as the Son of God and trusted in Him, who, that trusts the one who died and rose again, they're going to die. I mean, you know, we come into this world dead in trespasses and sins, and if a person doesn't put their faith in Christ and get what? Eternal life, they will then die physically, and they will suffer the second death, which is separation from God. And that's, that's what death is, is separation from God. And so he, he basically, you know, I'm just using this as a kind of a picture, but we know the wages of sin is death. And John 3, 18, whoever doesn't believe, if you don't believe, you're, you're condemned already. And, and so just as this guy rejected the true God and died physically, the, the bottom line is when you reject the true God, when people do that, uh, they're going to be separated from God forever. You know, I had a great talk yesterday with this family, and they live in British Columbia, and they had been watching, and they wanted to know if they could talk to me. And I said, well, yeah. And so they did a Skype thing, and we talked for two hours yesterday. They, had, they were so fantastic, and they, they were talking about how the Bible, how they love it, and how that by watching us, they've actually seen that salvation it's just a gift, and it's not works. And that they've heard all their lives things like, you got to do this and do this and keep doing this. And they've realized that it's just 
faith alone and Christ alone. And it, and it was pretty exciting. And we talked for a long, I mean, two hours, and they had Bible questions and good stuff. And, and, and uh, uh, he says, he said, I have a sister that lives in uh, uh, just north of Dallas in Frisco. And he said, we're going to fly to visit her, and when we do, we're coming to Stillwater Bible. We're going to drive up there. So I said, okay, I would love to, love to have you come sometime. That would be so wonderful. But they saw it, see? They saw that salvation is not based on their good works at all in any way, shape, or form, but simply faith alone in Christ alone. Anytime you reject the true God, anytime you turn away, and I'm not talking about losing salvation. We're, we're talking about people who'd never come, never put their faith in Jesus Christ to have eternal life. They'll be separated forever. Look what happened, verse 17. So has I died according to the word of the Lord, which Elijah had spoken. Just exactly what happened. Now guess what? He has no kids. And he had no son. And because he had no son, Jehoram became king in his place in the second year of Jehoram, the son of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah. Now by the way, this Jehoram, this is, this is his brother. So his younger brother became king because he didn't have any sons. And so his brother became king. And th look what happened. Ahaziah dies just as the word of the Lord has said. You know what's so great when you think about the Bible? When the Bible says, I give you eternal life and you shall never perish, that's the word of the Lord, right? Is it always true? Right. When he says, I'll never leave you, forsake you, is that always true? When he says, I give to you eternal life. When he says to you, I'll provide and protect. When he says, you can come boldly to the throne of grace. When he says, be not deceived, God is not mocked, whatever you sow, you reap. When he goes over and over, every promise of God is always true. Because it's the word of God. And the word of God is alive and powerful and sharp and a two-edged sword. And so the word of the Lord said, you're going to die. You will never get well. And he didn't get well. And so his, his brother basically had to, basically become, became the king. And we don't, we're not going to see hardly anything about, at least from Elijah's point of view, we're not going to see much about this new king because Elijah's about to leave. If you read the next chapter, and that's what we're going to see, it's going to take us two weeks to go through chapter 2, but in chapter 2, we're going to see the chariot come down and pick him up and take him away. That is one of the most amazing things in the Bible, and we'll see that. So let me give you some things to think about. First of all, let's trust God in our fallen world. We have, we've got to live in God's power and his protection. He will supply all our needs. He will never leave us or forsake us. Those promises, that's a promise of God. If God says, I'll never leave you or forsake you, can we count on that? It, it is. We, can, we live in uncertain times. And let me tell you, we talked about this several weeks ago. That it, We live in uncertain times, and there may come a time for you to say, I believe in Jesus Christ, I believe the Bible, I hold to the Word of God, I, don't, I take exactly what the Scripture says. There may come a time when you're going to be attacked for that. And they may say, that's hate speech. They may say, you can't say that. You can't say that. You can't say Jesus is the only way. Because there are other people that have other feelings, and they believe something else. So you can't say that. Because that's hate speech. It may come, right? It may come. So be ready. We've got to be ready right now. We've got to be ready. So when they throw me in jail, if they ever do, you've got to get me some food or something, okay? Because I don't know how that all works. But if it happens, because we're not going to say, well, you, yeah. We can say to people, look, you can believe anything you want to believe. But here's what we believe, and this is what we stand for. And we're going to teach that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. He is the only way. There is no other name given under heaven among men whereby we might be saved. We're going to teach that. We'll always teach that. And we'll always say that the Bible is the perfect word of God. And we will always say that salvation is a gift by faith. 
And that may be bad one of these days. When I say bad, it may be contrary to the culture to the point that we may be attacked for that. So we've got to be ready to stand strong. So let's trust God in the fallen world. Second thing is let's stay away from the occult because that's what they did. And, and we talked about this last week about what, what is the occult and what is all that. And the cults and occults and false gods and anything that's not the true God is always going to be uh, satanic. Albert Barnes said this. I like it. He said, we're not in danger of bowing down to idols, most likely not. But we may be in danger of substituting other things in our affection in place of God. We put a lot of other things. And, and let me tell you something. Does our sin affect others? Think about those poor... 102 soldiers, right? Because the king said, go get him, and they went up there, and they died. The third guy said, I'm, I'm, I'm begging you. I, I recognize who you are. And so the, the wickedness of Ahaziah cost some other people their lives as well. And sometimes when we do things wrong, it affects other people as well. So we want to live in such a way that we hear Jesus Christ say to us, well done, good and faithful servant.